What's going on, college hoops heads? This is another episode of the One and Done podcast with Stephen and John. I am Stephen. I am here with John. You may not be able to see John, but he has a Bradley Braves background on. Bradley is obviously one of the teams we're going to be talking about today because I actually want to talk about the entire Missouri Valley Conference. We're not going to get into it quite yet. First, I do have a public service announcement I need to make, but before I do that, John, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, and this is, in fact, our Bradley Braves basketball podcast um, in general, not just this episode. So I thought Triple B was for a big baller brand back in the day, but apparently it's for Bradley Braves basketball. Facts, who are also big ballers. There you go. So, okay. As I said, I do have a public service announcement to make. I kind of, last episode, kind of shit on Kyle Neptune after um, losing to UPenn. I, I know it's tough to step into Jay Wright's shoes, given, as I said, I think Jay Wright is just about the best coach living on planet Earth right now. John will probably argue with me, say it's Coach K or Alex Bolster or Greg Popovich. But I, I personally think for what he is supposed to do in terms of winning, developing guys to prepare them for the NBA, and just making the most of what he is given, Jay Wright was the best coach in, in not only college basketball, but I think on planet Earth, for all basketball coaches. Anyway, Kyle Neptune then obviously took over that role. He was kind of handpicked by Jay Wright. They lost to UPenn. And I came on and said, oh, in like 37 games, he's lost to a sub-100 Kenpom team five times, blah, blah, blah. I kind of crapped on him. Now the battle for Atlantis happened. Villanova beats Texas Tech by 16. They then the next day beat North Carolina. And then the following day, three straight days, they blow out Memphis to win the battle for Atlantis. So you know what, Kyle Neptune, I personally didn't watch the full games from beginning to end. I still think I need to, to see, you know, how much it was just talent winning out and how much it was actually Kyle Neptune's coaching. But for now, Kyle Neptune, uh, I sincerely apologize. Maybe I underestimated him a bit. It's very big of you. And John, I think you might have underestimated him a bit too. I'm taking the fall for us, but... Yeah, well, I think you were, uh, you know, you're probably more. Uh, I if we if we go back to our uh, preseason rankings, I think that I was a little bit more confident Kyle Neptune than you were. Oh, but oh, okay. that being said, very big of you, uh, Kyle Neptune, apologist. Um, I thought they looked good. They looked really good. Again, I didn't watch all three games from beginning to end, but okay. So, John, before we get into the last few days reviewing, as you know, I am one of the, I think, 15 or so voters in the Everything College Basketball Weekly Top 25. So, I, I basically, how I do it is I rank my top 50 and just, you know, take my top 25 out of that. I currently, right now, have 64 teams ranked as potential teams for the top 50. Obviously, with Maui and Battle for Atlantis and everything else happening, there's been a drastic change, and there will be a drastic change to the AP poll as well. So we had Kansas was number one in my in I think almost everyone's preseason poll. Now they lost to Marquette and they beat Tennessee and Maui and they beat Chaminade. But then you have Purdue who won Maui, who I think now has to be the consensus number one after beating Gonzaga, Tennessee, and Marquette. So who do you put number two? If you assume Purdue is a consensus number one, do you still put Kansas number two despite the loss to Marquette? I think you need to at least put Marquette ahead of Kansas because they won, and the only loss came to Purdue, who's ranked one. 
And I think Arizona, who just beat Michigan State, might have to go ahead of Kansas as well. So what do you think? Is that your top four in some order? Purdue, Marquette, Arizona, and Kansas? Um, I think my top four is has to be Purdue. Uh, Marquette, number two. I think Marquette's just a better basketball team than Kansas. That's what, and, they, and Marquette beat Kansas in Maui. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah. And I mean, but it wasn't like a freak win. I think they're a better basketball team. I think they had a good chance against Purdue, too. Purdue was really hot in that game. Um, and then my number three is Arizona. And I think the Duke's a better basketball team than Kansas. Okay. That's fair. Duke obviously didn't have a. Uh, not a bad week. Obviously, they went 2-0, but they, they didn't have any quality wins in terms of they beat LaSalle in Southern Indiana or Kansas. You know, they lost to Marquette, but they got a big win over Tennessee. So, yeah, I, I could see that being the top five. I did have Tennessee number three going into this week, but obviously they lost to Purdue in Kansas, which, sure, that's not going to be detrimental to them, but uh, obviously they're probably going to fall behind. Duke and Kansas State is above them. They probably fall behind UConn. And Creighton obviously lost. And Texas A&M lost. That was my 8-9 and nine in terms of um, teams. So Houston will get a little bump up. So I'll be tweeting that out tomorrow morning or later tonight in terms of who my top 25 is. But let Hey, me what see. a question on that, on your top 25. Cool. Where's Villanova in your top 25 now? So right now how I have it is just my last week's rankings – and then I just notated, okay, Villanova won battle for Atlantis. They have W's over Texas Tech, UNC, Memphis. I want to see how, like, FAU and Virginia Tech plays out today. I want to see how – what other game is today that I want uh, – basically, I didn't finalize anything until Texas A&M and Iowa State, FAU, Virginia Tech. I want to see how, basically, those two games play out before I start finalizing them. I did have them 31, though. Now I have them solidified in the top 25. Let me see. I have them. I'll put them above James Madison. I'll put them above San Diego State, Mississippi State. I suppose I put them ahead of FAU, but if FAU beats Virginia Tech, that's going to be a tough one for me because I love the same team and FAU is able to beat them. Um, I'll put them above Memphis because they beat Memphis in Atlantis. I might put Villanova over Kentucky. I'm not sure. So, yeah, that puts them around the 18 to 20. And then I have, like, UNC at 17 previously. How do I not put Villanova over them when Villanova beat them? So, yeah, I, I think I might have Villanova back up to 17, 18 range, basically right where they were before they lost to UPenn. I think that's pretty fair. So, yeah, and I'm sure we'll be talking about this once I finalize those because I'm looking in, like, I saw Jeff Goodman from the field of 68. He had Colorado State jump up to 14 after beating Creighton, which, like, it's so tough to go from unbeaten to or unranked to four. Like, that's something Villanova would have done by winning Battle for Atlantis with their three wins. Like, just one win over Creighton doesn't get you from unranked to 14, in my opinion. So, okay. So, Maui, we'll quickly go over it. We already talked about some of them. Tennessee beat Syracuse, the Syracuse first ever loss in Maui, Purdue over Gonzaga, Kansas over Chaminade, Marquette over UCLA in day one, Gonzaga over Syracuse in day two, UCLA over Chaminade, Purdue over Tennessee, which that was my preseason national championship was Tennessee over Purdue. So I, I love that these two teams got to play against each other. It was a ref show. 
what I think each team shot like 40 something free throws. It was like a three and a half hour college basketball game or something absurd. So I, I wish they just kind of let those two teams play a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, that wasn't a bad showing for Tennessee either. No, it wasn't. Neither neither loss was. When no, they looked good ball. in both those games. So, mm-hmm. you know. I'm, I'm still sticking. Because I think my final four was who? It was Purdue, Tennessee was my natty. And then I think I had Kansas and A&M, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. Kansas. Yeah. So three of those four teams will add Maui. Texas A&M did lose to FAU. I do hope they win today to, you know, kind of solidify how high I was on them. But I also was considering Mississippi State in my Final Four, but because Tolu Smith's uncertainty, I went with A&M instead. Mississippi State looks phenomenal even without Tolu. If they could survive, and they're 6-0 and right now, if they could be, I don't know, 10-1, and 11-1, 11-2, and when Tolu comes back, for SEC play, that'll that would be phenomenal for them. They might be in it to win the SEC. Yeah, I doubt with Tolu Smith, though, I agree. It's just a matter of does he play or not. Uh, that's still up for debate of when exactly he comes back. And then you had Marquette over Kansas. We already talked about that a little bit. How Marquette honestly might just flat out be a better team than Kansas. Then Wednesday was the last day of Maui. Purdue beat Marquette in the championship. That's no indictment on Marquette. They look phenomenal. Purdue just, again, Purdue scary. When they're on, they're on. It is terrifying. They were hot, too. Their shots were falling all game. I watched a lot of that game. Yeah. Um, I thought Marquette looked great. I thought both games. Marquette looks really polished. To be at the very beginning of the season, that Marquette team looks very polished, which, I mean, continuity. Um, and that's, so that's, back from before. that's what we've been reiterating for this whole offseason and this whole beginning season is how important, like college basketball, when you think like those Kentucky teams with Anthony Davis and Michael K. Gilchrist, like, yes, freshman talent did win out a lot of the time. But now it's so much about continuity. And I, I think that's our biggest hit this offseason so far is how important continuity actually is. And, you know, we'll just kind of been reiterating it and beating that into all listeners' heads through the offseason up until now, and now we kind of see why. So, let's see. Purdue beat Marquette to win Maui. Kansas got third place over Tennessee. Again, I'm still very high on Tennessee. The two losses were to, um, as I said, Purdue and Kansas. So, I'm not, you know, I'm still on the Tennessee train. Fifth place game, Gonzaga beat UCLA. It was the fourth time those two teams played in four years. Anton Watson had 32 points, and I think he shot it. It was either 13 or 14 or 14 or 15 from the field, and he went three for three from three. I mean, Anton Watson might be the X factor for this Gonzaga team. He could potentially not only be an All-American, but Gonzaga could go as far as Anton Watson could take them. Yeah, we kind of talked about them needing that somebody this year um, that's going to step up and be the leader of this team and be able to really pour in the buckets. And it looks like so far it's Anton Watson. I think that's kind of who we had pinpointed as, you know, if he can step up, he's going to have to step up on this team in order to play good. I thought Ryan Demhar looked really good too mm-hmm. um, for Gonzaga. That team in general, I know we spoke about it before, that team looked uh, – they held their own. I mean, I know that. You know, fifth place, but 
they had you know probably the top two you know four of the top ten teams in the country. I think that's not even debatable. And probably three of the top four. Of the five. Top five. Yep. Um, but they never they to me never really looked outmatched. So no. No, it's just I think there were teams that were more talented with more depth that were able to, you know, get it done over them. Um, here's an interesting stat. I heard this on the Ion College Basketball Podcast with Gary Parrish and Norlander. Gonzaga's last 99 games against unranked teams, what do you think their record is? Against what? Their last 99 games against unranked teams, what is Gonzaga's record? Um, and like UCLA counts, they weren't ranked, even though they're like obviously UCLA. So, what what do you think the record is? Ninety and ten, or ninety and nine. Ninety-seven and two. Wow. That that's that just shows how good of a coach Mark Few is, and I, you know, I'm a Gonzaga truther. I think a lot of people that talk college basketball me know that, but there's been so many times when like. People on Twitter, oh, Gonzaga, West Coast Conference, they have a joke of a schedule. Gonzaga always makes sure they have the toughest non-con there is, basically, playing in tournament like Maui, or they've had non-conference games with Duke the last few years with Kansas. I think they play either UConn and Kentucky this year, later on in the year. But, yeah, I mean, 97-2 and is insane. Then you have Syracuse over Chaminade for the seventh-place game. Um, here's one more factoid I found. Um, a few actually. Purdue is the first ever Big Ten team to be ranked number one at any point in three straight years in the history of college basketball. That surprises me. Between Indiana's dominance with like Bob Knight and Michigan State's dominance under Izzo, Purdue's the only one to be number one in three straight years out of the Big Ten. I would not have expected that. No, um, me neither. Said, that, that's kind of some wild. of those Michigan teams from the 90s. Yeah, them too. The Fat Five. I mean, I know obviously they were all – they all weren't there for three years. But, yeah. So, um, but, yeah, so that was really intriguing. And I just had a note on UCLA. You're bigger on UCLA than I am. And I think you're actually the one that mentioned this to me, which is why I put it in the show notes. How good can UCLA be by the end of the season with all their international guys? I think they can be really good. You see flashes of them, like I saw flashes of them in this Maui tournament when they were playing like some really good basketball. I think there's, you know, the opposite of continuity. Uh, you know, when you got five guys putting together, playing together for the first time in a lot of ways, um, you see some some gaps. Uh, but this is a big, long, fast team. They can run the court. Like everybody on the court can score. They got some legit NBA players, I think, on that team. Um, I'm excited to see like what uh, Mick Cronin can do with them by the end of the season. You know, once you get into even get into the uh, Pac-12 play, um, going into the tournament, I think this is a team that is going to be really fun to watch. I think they play kind of a different style of basketball than a lot of other teams that we get to watch. Um. I'm I'm excited about UCLA. I enjoyed watching them. You know, even though they didn't, you know, they finished six in the in the Maui tournament. I really enjoyed watching them play uh, the games that they did play. Just because they gave Montana a hell of a game, they gave Gonzaga yeah. a hell of a game. So yeah, they got six, but like, it's not like they were like really outmatched or anything out there. 
So here's the next tidbit I want to bring up. So seven of the last 10 national champions, national champions have won an MTE. So out of all the teams that just won an MTE, which one of these do you think has the best shot at? Obviously, Purdue is up there. Purdue won Maui. Villanova won Battle for Atlantis. Baylor just won the NIT tip-off, which we'll talk about. Arizona just won an MTE, California something. I'm blanking on the name of it. Um, UConn won the Empire Classic. Oklahoma just won the San Diego, um, whatever the terminology was for that one, but it was in San Diego. And Houston won Charleston. Do we see this year's national championship out of one of these teams, or does history not repeat itself? I mean, I know it's so hard to say. I'm still going with Tennessee and Purdue in the natty, and Purdue is one of the two teams to be one of the few teams to be one of these teams on this list. But I I don't know. There's just so many freaking good teams this year. It's tough for me to believe out of these seven teams that I just listed, one of them are going to be the national champion. Would it shock me? No. But... No, and I'm just looking at the list. I think that every team on this list could win the national championship except for maybe Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And Oklahoma was in the bottom half of the Big 12 preseason rankings, but uh, obviously they just beat USC, they beat Iowa. We're going to talk about them in a little, but yeah, no, I I think I agree with that, that every team could theoretically win the national championship. I don't remember. So, okay, now let's shift gears to Tuesday. So Tuesday we had your Long Beach State squad again. You're big on the Big Big West this year. They beat Iona, which Iona without Patino and the teams the last few years aren't exactly the same team they've been. They've they actually think of I think they're what one and four. They're they're not that great this year. Um, Appalachian State beat UNC Wilmington our squad by thirty points. UNC Wilmington has since bounced back, which we'll talk about. Florida State beat Colorado in overtime in the Sunshine Slam. Never underestimate Leonard, Leonard um, Hamilton. I must have Leonard Miller, the Timberwolves, G League Ignite guy. But Leonard Hamilton. Drake blew out Akron. Like, when I say blew out Akron, I think they won by like 20 plus points. And Akron's a hell of a team. And then, let me see. I think Drake had another big win after that, if I'm not mistaken. I have it sorted by day in the show notes. Drake did beat Texas Southern yesterday. They're now 5-1. and one. I know Texas Southern is 0-6, but they're good. I mean, they're always a very competitive team. So I want to save the Drake talk because I do want to just go through the entire Missouri Valley because if you look at the Missouri Valley, every team in that conference basically has skyrocketed up Kempom rankings. So let's save Drake for that conversation. James Madison won. At the time, they moved up to 5-0. They've since won again, and they're now 6-0. My UAB squad with Eric Gaines beat Middle Tennessee State. Hofstra beats Wright State. Utah State beat Stephen F. Austin, which was impressive. Stephen F. Austin just beat Drake a few days before. And New Mexico over Toledo. You and I talked about this the other day. How good could New Mexico be? I mean, we talked about how the Mountain West earlier this year probably won't be a four-big league again. But all of a sudden, New Mexico has Donovan Dent and JT Toppin emerge. They already had Jamal Mashburn Jr. and Jaden House. And they had Nelly Jr. Joseph. I mean, that's a hell of a five. And then Colorado State looks great. San Diego State is legit. 
Um, you like Nevada. I like. Bo- I think we both like Boise. I mean, is it possible the Mountain West, if the A10 is lacking, St. Mary's isn't as good as they were? Um, the American only gets one or two teams in. Is it is it conceivable that the Mountain West gets five teams in? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. I think we talked kind of earlier in the year about whether, you know, they'd be more likely to get three teams or five teams. Um, I'm kind of leaning towards five at this point. I think, I think that that, that's a, you know, there's some really good teams playing in that conference. New Mexico is really good. New Mexico is beating people bad and they don't even have their full roster. Um, They, I think the last two games they had Jamal Mastron and Jalen house both out and Donovan Dent just took over. I mean, it's, it's it's really good. (laughs) He's a bucket. Yeah. Um, and like when they were fully healthy, they might have to bring Den off the bench because not going to bench Mashburn Jr. or um, House, I wouldn't imagine. But that three goal lineup with JT Toppin at the four and Nelly Jr. Joseph at the five is going to be deadly. I mean, when that's fully coming together for Coach Patino, that's going to be scary. Um, but yeah, so New Mexico over Toledo. Toledo's a good team, even though they lost, obviously, Ray J. Dennis and, um, JT Shoemade and Cedric Milner. I mean, they're still uh, one of the better teams. They're still the cream of the crop in the MAC up there with Akron and maybe Kent State. Wednesday recap. I can't wait to see them play Utah State. Offense versus defense. Yeah, Utah State. Like, Utah State, obviously, we know Darius Brown personally at this point, and he's kind of the engine of that Utah State squad. But, like, they lost 99.8% of their minutes from last year. They had no one returning. And the fact that they're as good as they are, they're only losses to your Bradley Braves. But they're winning too. Like, Okay, here's what we're going to do. At the end of the episode, when we talk about the Missouri Valley Conference and the Ken Palm skyrocketing, we're going to look at our Mountain West as well. So let's make sure we do that because I'm very intrigued by the Mountain West this year. Wednesday recap, Ole Miss beat Temple by one. Friend of the pod, West Flanagan. His son, Allen, basically hit the two game-winning free throws with a few seconds left to win the game for Ole Miss. Ole Miss just finds a way to get it done. I know we talked about this last episode in terms of a win's a win, but Ole Miss can't keep getting by with one and two-point wins against mediocre teams like Temple and Sam Houston State and Detroit Mercy. For now, they're 5-0, and but I am a little bit concerned about it. Let me see. Battle for Atlantis. We already talked about a little bit. North Carolina, North Carolina, excuse me. The Tarios beat a very good Northern Iowa squad. Villanova beat Texas Tech by 16. Obviously, we know Villanova won the tournament. We'll get there. Memphis over Michigan. And Arkansas, it took Arkansas two overtimes to beat Stanford. Stanford finished last place in the tournament. They got eighth, losing to Northern Iowa in the seventh place game. But, I mean, Arkansas ended up what beating Stanford in double overtime, then losing to Memphis, then losing to North Carolina. How concerned are you about Arkansas? They go one and two with their only win over Stanford in two overtimes, who ended up getting last place. I'm terrified right now for Arkansas. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of concerned too. Um, to be a you know. I think they're ranked 20th going into this weekend. Um, they've got some bad 
you know, they lost to, to UNC and Memphis in that tournament, barely beat Stanford, like you said. They lost to UNCG. Um, you know, Old Dominion, I think, pushed them kind of close. Mm-hmm. So I'm concerned about this team. Um, you know, we expected a lot, I think. I know I did out of, uh, uh, you know, Trayvon Brazil, and Makai Mitchell, Trayvon Mark, Khalif Battle, which I thought like hasn't really played out. Um, didn't so you have the, Arkansas? Didn't you have Arkansas winning the SEC when we did our preseason rankings? I think I did. I think you did. I think I did. I want to recap. I want to. <laughs> I want to take that back. No. Um, well, like so, yeah, this team's don't look. I, a lot of those teams, I think, that have been at the top of the SEC were kind of wary on this year. Um, have not been super impressive. So. Well, Tennessee, I think, has been fine. A&M, yeah, I know lost FAU, but I think they've been fine. Kentucky has the one loss to Kansas. I mean, none of them have blown me away. Again, Ole Miss, I know we said is underwhelming despite being 5-0. and Missouri's been bad. Florida's been pretty good. Um, yeah, so, no, I, I get it. None of them have blown us away, but at least the SEC has kind of jam-packed our schedule with good teams that at least all the losses. They don't really have any bad losses aside from Arkansas use, losing to UNC Greensboro and obviously Missouri losing to Jackson State. So, yeah, but... They I, have a I, game against Duke next week, too. That, yeah. Um, you know, obviously no, both of those teams that one. need that, but, you know, an L on that puts... What, what does that make their record? That, do they have a losing yeah, record? Yeah, is right now I have it at four and three. Four and three, so I can make them four and four. You know, which UNC and Memphis aren't terrible losses. I don't think they'll be terrible towards the end of the season, but well, that's why you can't afford to lose a game to UNC Greensboro going into a tournament like Battle for Exactly. You. But okay. Other news on Wednesday, Colorado State beats Boston College in the Hall of Fame Classic. We know the next day they then beat Creighton, so we'll get there. Harvard beat Colgate. Colgate's a good team. I mean, the Ivy League keeps winning between Penn, Harvard, Princeton is ranked on some circuits based off some um, people in college basketball media. Um, and Yale, obviously, is one of the better mid-majors. So the Ivy League is keeps winning. Obviously, we have Creighton over Loyola, Chicago. They end up beating. They end up losing to Colorado State the next day. Princeton beat Old Dominion. They moved to 5-0 and at the time. Yesterday, they beat Northeastern. They're now 6-0, and but we'll get there. Um, Louisiana Tech and McNeese. Louisiana Tech just got um, Daniel Bracho, former Texas Tech transfer, eligible. They beat McNeese. McNeese is good. I, I know you were big on them than I was with uh, Will Wade coaching there, but McNeese is really good. Let me see what else. I mean, Virginia beat West Virginia. West Virginia's obviously been bad, and Virginia only beat them, I think, by two or three. So, a little concerning, but again, wins a win. Sometimes that just happens, especially with two um, power conference teams. Cincinnati blew the doors off of Georgia Tech. Nebraska beat Duquesne. Nebraska's now 6-0. and I mean, if there's any bright spot in the Big Ten, aside from Purdue, it's definitely Nebraska. And Fred Hoiberg, you know, has those guys playing... You know, their asses off. Wisconsin over SMU. Same thing, another Big Ten win. I'm still very high on Wisconsin. The NIT season tip-off. Baylor threw the doors off of Oregon State. Florida beat Pitt by 15, and that's a game we were looking at. 
I know like Jonathan Wasserman has Bub Carrington now top 10 in his NBA mock draft, but Florida's good. I mean, Pitt seems like they're going to be better than they were last year, and Florida just absolutely demolished. James Madison beat Fresno State by 31. And we just talked about how good the Mountain West is, and James Madison killed a Mountain West team. They moved to 6-0. New Mexico demolished Grice. Bradley beat UTEP, and Bradley moved to 5-0. And Bradley beat Vermont last night, and they're now 6-0. Again, I'm saving for the end. I want to talk about Kempom and the Missouri Valley Conference. But holy shit, Bradley is good. And obviously, we see that by your background right now. Then Tulane beat Cal. So that concludes Wednesday. Anything to add on any of those games? Not really. I think that, um, you know, there's some teams we have circled here. Uh, I'm worried that those Ivy League teams are going to beat up on each other pretty bad this season. I think they're all pretty good. Um, We're talking about Harvard, Yale, Princeton. Um, Let's see. Yeah, Nebraska is nice. Fred Hoiberg does a great job. You know, I'm a big fan of Fred Hoiberg as a coach. Um, I think Nebraska has a window to move up maybe into the top five or six of that conference this year. Um, Cause we're, you know, we have some concerns with some of those teams up there in that, that top little bit. Um, Duquesne's a good team too. That was a good win. Wisconsin, Baylor, um, you know, Baylor's an impressive team. Baylor's somebody that I had uh, as one of my top teams this season in Florida. Um, like you said about Pitt, I think Pitt has a chance to be very competitive in the ACC this year. Um, you know, outside of the, you know, we always talk about our top teams in the ACC being, you know, Duke and UNC, Virginia, Clemson, Miami. Um, I think Pitt has a probably has a good chance to be that fifth or sixth best team in the conference this year. Um, they've been doing a great job down there. And then, yeah, you know, our squad, James Madison, New Mexico, Bradley. I feel like we're going to be talking about these teams in March. Yeah, and Nebraska for what it's worth is up to 44th in Ken Palm. They started the year – they started the year pretty high. They started the year 58th, so it's not like that obscene that, you know, up to 44. They're 28th best in offensive adjusted efficiency, though, which good for Fred Hoiberg. Um, Thursday's games – Battle for Atlanta State 2, Texas Tech beat Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa has to be probably, at that time, I know they beat Stanford, but the best, what, one in four team I've ever seen. And again, we'll talk about the Missouri Valley Conference, but they started one in four because they had a tough schedule. They lost to um, UNC. They lost to Texas Tech. They had, I forget who else they played, but they've had a tough schedule. And then, obviously, they beat Stanford and Battle for Atlanta. Villanova beat North Carolina. Memphis beat Arkansas. We talk about both of those. And Michigan beat Stanford. Again, I, I don't think I, Michigan got the job done. I'm not going to, you know, say anything too exciting about them. The ESPN Events Invitational started on Thursday as well. Texas A&M beat Penn State. FAU beat Butler. Iowa State beat VCU. And Virginia Tech beat Boise State. Again, still super high on the Mountain West. I'm not taking this Boise State loss to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech then went on to beat Iowa State, so I think they're a pretty good team. I don't know in, like, the ACC hierarchy how to go about it because there's Duke, Miami, UNC, then there's Virginia and Clemson, and then, like, there's Pitt and Virginia Tech. I think that's the top seven in some order right now. 
I just don't know how to like decipher those tears out. And maybe if Virginia Tech beats FAU today, that would solidify them in like the upper tier for me. Yeah, that'd be a good win for Virginia Tech. Um, I'm impressed they were able to slow down Boise State the way they were. Uh, I think you might have the. So for me, I think if I'm thinking about the tiers of the ACC, um, it's probably. I think Duke might be in a tier of their own. Um, Miami and North Carolina, UNC, and then, like you said, Virginia and Clemson. And then I think you almost have like two team tiers going all the way down to those top four tiers of teams. In yeah, that conference. That, that's sort of. Uh, I think you're pretty spot on with that. Um, Oklahoma beat Iowa. Arizona beat Michigan State. Arizona is so good. Like I know we just said they'll probably rank they're gonna be ranked top three, probably behind Purdue and Marquette, but Arizona is good. They are so good. They look like an NBA team. I mean, just the playing style and they're so phys I mean, they're they're a big, strong physical team. Arizona's good. If I, I, I like is Tommy them. Lloyd the front runner for national coach of the year? I think at this point he is, yeah. And I think it's well deserved. I think he's one of the best coaches in basketball. No, I, I, I'm on board with that. Um, Colorado State, we already talked about, beat Creighton to win. They didn't just beat Creighton. They blew Creighton the fuck out to win the Hall of Fame Classic. They won by 20-plus points. Um, USC beat Seton Hall. BYU beat Arizona State by 28. I know we won't hang Arizona State, but holy shit, BYU is also very good. Yeah, this is this has turned into a BYU podcast. <laughs> BYU's playing really well. Um, BYU's up tenth in Kempom. They surpassed Baylor. Wow. Just to get perspective, right now Kempom it goes Purdue, Houston, UConn, Arizona, Marquette is top five. Kansas six, Gonzaga seven, Tennessee eight, Alabama nine, BYU ten. They're above Duke, Baylor, North Carolina, Villanova, and Creighton and Kentucky. That's how good BYU's been this year. That's incredible. Friday recap, we already talked about some of these. North Carolina beat Arkansas for third place in battle for Atlantis. Tremont Mark had 34 points in that game, though. Obviously, we saw a scary um, fall that he had where he had to be stretched off, but he had 34 points. Like He was no joke. He was getting buckets that game. He looked like a legit NBA player in that game um, up until the very end when he was stretched off. But what do you think? Is Tremont Mark an NBA player? Yeah, I think Trayvon Mars is an NBA player. I see um, him on like a two-way on draft. Like I see like the Craig Porter Jr. type trajectory for him. Just a guy absolutely. you know is going to play. Yeah, that's what yeah. I see. He's a guy that I think everybody wants on their bench. Um, because he has that ability. He's a uh, he's a hard player. You know, even like watching him last year, you could see that he always put it all the way out there. Um, and he seems like a real coachable player, leader on the court. And – like you said, he can go off and score 34 points, you know, and I think he'll be able to do that. I think his score is going to translate to the NBA if he has the opportunity. I mean, obviously, he's probably not going to go out there and score 34 points every night in the NBA. Nor is he going to do that in NCAA. But, um, yeah, two-way player, like you said, um, maybe second-round pick. And I think he's going to be a guy that's going to – one of those guys that just sticks around forever to where we're talking about, like, wow, is Traymond Mark still in the league? <laughs> you know? Then we talked about Villanova blowing out Memphis to win battle for Atlantis. 
I already did my Cairo Neptune apology. Texas Tech beat Michigan for fifth place. Again, I don't think Michigan's that great, so I think Texas Tech just got the job done. And Northern Iowa beat Stanford for seventh place. ESPN Events Invitational Round 2, FAU beat Texas A&M. They're currently, as we're recording, playing Virginia Tech in the championship game in that tournament. Let's see. The score is, as it's loading, I'll keep talking. Butler beat Penn State. Florida Atlantic is up 22-17 with six and a half left in the first half over Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech over Iowa State. That's always a good win. Iowa State's a tough team. And Boise State over VCU. Um, in other games, Mississippi State beat Nichols. They moved to 6-0. and Again, they're legit. We already talked about them a little bit. Pitt beat Oregon State by 25 in the NIT Classic. Iowa beat Seton Hall in the Rady Children's Invitational. Indiana State went 3-0 in the Dogs Classic against pretty good teams. Do you know anything about Robbie Avila? Because I was not familiar up until this last three-game stretch. He's averaging 18-7-5 for Indiana State. No, I don't really know a whole lot about uh, Robbie Avila. Um, so, I mean, he's definitely put himself on the radar in terms of just dangerous college basketball players. I need to watch more of him, to be honest. But yeah, I know that's he wears the Horace Grant goggles. Yeah, that I do know. I, I've, I watched a post-game interview with him, but Indiana State again. Missouri Valley, I want to save this till the end, but another Missouri Valley team just showing out. New Mexico also went 3-0 in the Dogs Classic. Oklahoma beat USC by two. They won the Rady Children's Invitational. Oklahoma's now 6-0. I mean, it's just crazy how good the Big 12 is because we knew the top of the Big 12 was the cream of the crop in terms of conferences and college basketball. But now you have BYU undefeated. You have Cincinnati undefeated. You have Oklahoma undefeated. I mean, all of a sudden, the Big 12, like, I don't know what order these teams are finishing in. I have no idea. Cincinnati's legit, BYU's legit, Oklahoma. Like, all these bottom teams that we thought not much of are pretty damn good. And that's a testament to the Big 12 overall. Yeah, and, the, you know, there's some there's some real talent. I mean, it's not like Oklahoma's pulling this out of nowhere either because there's some real talent on that team. Uh, that backcourt of Otega Owe and uh, Milos Uzan, I think, is really good. And um, JV and McCollum is on JV and McCollum, yeah. I know, like, you know, those are some guys that have been talked about in some circles about maybe potential draftability. Um, you know, they got John Hughley on that team who's, you know, he's he's bounced around. We've kind of been waiting for his big breakout. It hasn't even really happened this year, but he's been getting some decent – he doesn't even start on that team. Yeah. Um, but he's been getting some decent, some decent minutes on that squad, so – we said on last episode, St. Mary's so desperately needed to beat Davidson. They won by 34. So, you know, they, they got the job done there. Baylor beat Florida by four to win the NIT season tip-off. Ray J. Dennis, our guy, at 24-4-8. Jacoby Walter, currently on Ken Palm's National Player of the Year rankings, is, se- excuse me, is seventh. Seventh in National Player of the Year Ken Palm rankings. That's how good he's been as a freshman. That's incredible. Ohio State beat Alabama by 11. Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale combined for 52 points in this one. 
Obviously, those are two guys that we were kind of anticipating breakouts from. And Ohio State just always finds a way to find these kind of guys. Either I, I think both those guys are sophomores, so not, you know, a one and done. Like Scotty Middleton would have been the one and done that kind of came out of nowhere. And even he would have come. But what I'm getting at is Ohio State always finds a way to, like, develop these kind of guys and, you know, help them. There was Malachi Branham, for example. There's always a guy in Ohio State that you know, kind of blows up in a sense. And this year could be two of them. Absolutely. That's a deep roster too. If you talk about, you know, in the backcourt, you got Thornton and Gale, um, and you got Mahaffey on that team, Jamison Battle, Scotty Middleton. Um, in the front court, you got Apara, Zed Key. That's a good yeah, team. That's a really deep. deep. Kentucky blew on Marshall. They dropped 118 points. DJ Wagner finally had a big breakout game. He had 28 points. Robert Dillingham at 16-5 and 8 and only missed run one shot. Reed Shepard at 12-7 and 6, and he only had took six shots. Kentucky's freshmen are very good. I know we kind of coined Reed Shepard and Robert Dillingham potentially as the two best prospects on that roster, given how DJ Wagner and Justin Edwards has played. But Justin Edwards, again, they scored 118 points. He didn't even do that much. So I think I'm more concerned about Justin Edwards than I am about DJ Wagner at this point. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair considering DJ Wagner has had that 28 points against Marshall. Um, I think he must have heard us talking on the pod about Dillingham and Shepard. Yeah, so when he ends up being a lottery pick, he could thank us. Um, Santa Clara beat Oregon in the Emerald Classic. At the time of this, they hadn't yet lost to Ohio State. Ohio State beat them by 30, but they were 6-0 and and a legit at-large contender. So what I'm thinking is they're now 6-1 and after losing Ohio State. Oh, yeah, Ohio State. The West Coast Conference, is this still a two-big lead? If it's not Gonzaga and St. Mary's, it could be Gonzaga and San Fran, Gonzaga, Santa Clara. Do you think a second team in the West Coast Conference gets in? I think it's going to depend. Um, Santa Clara took a pretty bad loss to Ohio State. I think it could be a, a too big conference. Maybe San Fran could be that team. I like that San Fran team a lot. As you know, um, uh, Jonathan Mogba and uh, Mongolian Mike. I think that more than likely, though, with the way things seem to be playing out, um, and like with that, a real strong non-con outside of Gonzaga, it might take one of these other teams winning the conference tournament, which could be possible because, you know, we're talking about Gonzaga and their lack of depth, um, yeah. which I think could come, you know, could turn around and cause problems towards the end of the season. Yeah. And again, as long as it seems like Santa Clara and St. Frank keep winning, I think that helps St. Mary's. Obviously St. Mary's got to a slow start, but St. Mary's does finish first or second in this conference just based off, Conference record, that might be enough to get them an at-large bid, even with the slow start. They do have a win over New Mexico, which helps. But um, And then BYU beat NC State by 9, and we already talked about them. They moved to 6-0. and Saturday's games, which was yesterday, Princeton beat Northeastern. They moved to 6-0. and Liberty beat Maryland East Shores. They moved to 6-0. and Let's see. Liberty and Princeton in Ken Palm. Liberty is up to 39th which for, 
a Conference USA team after losing six teams to the American Athletic Conference is pretty crazy. Princeton is 54th. So both those teams, if they were to lose a conference, I know it's only six games in, would be considered, you know, for an at-large bid, essentially. And I like Liberty. I really like Liberty. They've got a they got a date coming up with Florida Atlantic, um, which I think is gonna. If if Liberty were to win that game, I think that would be huge for Liberty. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And how detrimental would that be to FAU? I mean, I know they have the loss of Bryant, but if FAU beats Virginia Tech today, they have wins over Virginia Tech and A and M. I don't think the Liberty loss would kill them all that much. Yeah, no, it would. I think it would help Liberty. I mean. Especially considering that I think FAU, you know, if FAU wins this game against Virginia Tech, I think that the Liberty win over Florida Atlantic would help Liberty more than it would hurt FAU. And FAU, again, is currently, they're playing Virginia Tech as we're recording. They're up one with two and a half minutes left in the first half. So they're up four now. They just hit a three. John O. Davis and Elijah Martin last game combined for 51 points. So it looks like both of those guys are back to normal and maybe legit NBA prospects. In terms of the second day of the Emerald Classic, Alabama beat Oregon, so Oregon goes 0-2 in the Emerald Classic. Again, calls for concern for the Pac-12. I I was super on the Pac-12. You had Colorado losing to Florida State in overtime. You had Oregon dropping both games in the Emerald Classic. You had UCLA going 1-2 with their only win over Chaminade in Maui. I just think there's a lot of things to be pessimistic on with the Pac-12 right now. And I think that, you know, those uh, Oregon losses are kind of fool's gold, too, considering the fact that they've been without both of their starting centers, uh, Biddle and uh, and Folly Dante. And Dante's out what? I think another four to six weeks, uh, John Ralstein tweeted. Yeah. So, yeah, that's concerning, I think, for the entire Pac-12 because – uh, I am again. I think UCLA might be able to end up being decent, but I'm just I'm very <coughs> as a whole. Bless you, bless you, John. Um, it's allergy season, I suppose. Um, UNC Wilmington, they were underdogs of Florida Gulf Coast. I bet a hefty, hefty. I bet I think fifty dollars on them plus one and a half. They covered UAB. Beat them and UAB really loaded up their non con. They're four and two, and their non con is tough. And then, last thing I want to note DePaul lost again. I forgot they lost to another bad team yesterday. DePaul is now one and five. Oh, have they hit rock bottom? They lost to Northern Illinois. Yeah, they've got, they've got some bad L's there. They lost to Purdue, Fort Wayne. They lost to Long Beach State. They beat South Dakota. Then they lost to South Carolina, St. Fran, and Northern Iowa. I mean, there's no way Tony Stubblefield makes it through the season. There's no way. And a lot of people are talking, at least that I've seen on Twitter, a lot of analysts are talking about um, Darian DeVries taking that DePaul job. But, like, we're going to talk about this because in the next few weeks we're going to do our – opening day coaches in the 2027 season, who's going to be coaching which power conference. And I think if DeVries waits it out, he's either going to get the Creighton job if they let go of McDermott, which I don't foresee happening, but maybe next year that happens. 
or he takes the Iowa job for Fran McCaffrey. I, I don't see a scenario where, oh, yeah, I'm just going to take DePaul. Why, why would he do that when he could probably get a much better job if he waits another year or two? That's my opinion. Yeah, and maybe even this year, depending on how the carousel works out, you know? I could totally see Iowa letting go of McCaffrey due to his uh, – if they don't make the tournament and his lack of success in March Madness, I could totally see, you know, them poaching DeVries as early as this year. Or um, for DePaul, what about – um? What's his face? Brian Wardell from Bradley. Uh, I think that would be a fit. I think Pat Kelsey could be a fit. Again, we're going to talk about these more in depth once, um, you know, once we do that episode of our predictions. I will know Brian Wardell is a market a Marquette alumnus. So if they let go, Shaka Smart, I can't imagine them going from a coach from Bradley for how good Marquette's been, but it doesn't matter. I don't think Shaka Smart's going to be gone anytime soon. But I, I will note that. But Brian Wardle would be a hell of a replacement at DePaul, I think. Yeah. And, you know, DePaul's a pretty good job when you think about in terms of, I mean, I know they haven't had the basketball success here lately, but they have. there are a team that's had basketball success in the past. Um, you know, you're in Chicago. So I think that's, you know, it's a recruitable team. You're playing at a good conference. So, um, you know, I think you get the right guy in there that, um, you know, DePaul could be a good job. could be a decent job for somebody, you know, and a good, maybe a good stepping stone for somebody. Yeah, I just, I don't know who, I, I don't think it's going to be DeVries for the reasons I said. But, okay, now let me pull up the Missouri Valley Conference Ken Palm rankings. Because all these teams have really skyrocketed. Let me see here. So Bradley, who we talked about, is 6-0. They started 99th in Ken Palm. They are now up to 77th. Which I'm kind of surprised. I guess because a lot of their games were close games. But, yeah, Bradley is 77th. Northern Iowa actually went down. They went from 97th to 130. But, again, they're 2-4 and four and only have one D1 win, although it's over Stanford. But their losses are Texas Tech, North Carolina, North Texas, and South Florida. So, other than South Florida, they don't really have a bad loss. I mean, the other three teams were all top 75 Ken Palm teams at the time. So, yeah, I'm not very – I'm still very high on Northern Iowa. Let me see. And then Drake. Drake was 77th to start the year. They're now 88th. They went down a little bit. I don't know how a lot of these teams are going. Northern Iowa, I understand. But now let's see where the huge jumps were made. Indiana State went from 111. They're now 96th. They just rattled off wins. They won three games in four days over Rice, Pepperdine, and Toledo. Their only loss is to Alabama. Other than Alabama, Indiana State's undefeated. Robbie O'Bill is legit. Here's the biggest jump I've seen, though, in all of Ken Palm. University of Illinois, Chicago. They were 243rd. In Ken Palm to start the year, 
They're now 116. That's 117 Ken Palm jump. And after losing the season opener to Cincinnati, they haven't lost a game since. So that was a big jump. And then the other one I want to talk about is Evansville. Evansville is 6-0. They started 330 seconds. So they were one of the bottom teams in the entire country in Ken Palm. And they're now 194. Wow. I realized that. That's impressive. It is. Um, Otherwise, let's see. Southern Illinois went from 188 to 117. I mean, a lot of these teams in the um, Missouri Valley Conference are really making strides in terms of the analytic numbers. And then let's move on to the Mountain West. San Diego State was 29th. Even after losing to BYU, they still move up to 20th. So they move up. Colorado State went from 74. They're now 28. Nevada went from 69. They're now 45. New Mexico went from 46 to 52. They went down a hair. And then Utah State went from 101 to 65. Utah State doesn't have a blemish on the record. They lost to Bradley but other, in overtime, but otherwise they beat Akron, they beat Stephen F. Austin, they beat Southern Utah, and they beat Marshall. I mean, that's a not a bad schedule at all. They have St. Louis coming up. They have UC Irvine coming up. UC Irvine is 66 in Ken Palm. That's high for a Big West team. I know they beat um, UC Irvine beat USC with Boogie Ellis out and with um, Kobe Johnson out, but that's high. That's really high. Something interesting I'm looking at, you know there's only uh, one team in the Mountain West with a losing record right now? One team in the Mountain West with the losing record. Yeah. It's UNLV. UNLV? Yeah. Two yeah. and three. They were supposed to be pretty good too. So that, that'll be very interesting to see. Cause like Air Force has been bad for so many years. They're five and two. Wyoming was awful last year, even with Hunter Maldonado, but Graham Ike was out. They're four and one. I mean, a lot of these teams are winning right now. I just hope they don't beat up on each other so much that one of them gets cost an at-large bid because of it. Right. Well, you know, you got undefeated Nevada, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, undefeated Colorado State with some quality win there. Um, Nevada And Nevada's just been beating the hell out of people, man. They got the quality Nevada. win over Washington. This is a this is a good conference. I think I'll be so I'm gonna go ahead as far as say I would be unless they just beat up on each other so bad. I would be surprised if they aren't a five big conference at this point. I think I'm a little worried about a lot of their non-conference schedules. But again, they make up for it in conference play with how good the top five or six in that conference are. So yeah, we'll have to see. New Mexico, again, they lost to St. Mary's, and I think St. Mary's will still be okay. I'm excited to see the New Mexico and UC Santa Barbara game. There was a lot of good guard play in that game. 
with the Jai Mitchell for Santa Barbara and then the three guards we talked about for New Mexico? Yeah, me too. And Jai Mitchell's been unbelievable. I mean, we I don't know. We didn't get a chance to talk about him on this show. I know, but he's been unbelievable since he's been back for Santa Barbara. I think that the New Mexico-Louisiana Tech game is going to be a good game. Yeah, with um, they're undefeated since Daniel Bradshaw got his eligibility. Yeah. So, okay. I'm looking at Ken Palm, their conference ranking right now. Big 12 is one, which is no surprise, especially with how some of those bottom teams are doing. Big East is number two, SEC is number three. Little surprising. Um, Pac-12 is above the ACC, and the Pac-12 is not doing well right now. Uh, that surprises me. Yeah, me too. I don't think Pac-12 should be ahead of the Mountain West right now. <laughs> I don't think they should either. Who's they pushing them up? I guess, I guess, well, I guess they got USC, Colorado. I mean, who's really pushing up that? USC, UCLA. USC stock is down. Oregon stock is down. UCLA stock is down. Colorado stock is down. And Oregon stock is down. That's the top five teams in that conference. Yeah, Arizona pushes them up, I guess. Yeah, Arizona's the one. But otherwise... Utah is three and two, so yeah, I don't know. I know Utah just lost Houston and St. John's was on bad losses. Utah and St. Mary's is gonna be a good game tomorrow. Both of them need a win desperately. And then Utah has a game against BYU September or December 9th. So yeah, we will the Ivy League is the twelfth best conference according to Ken Palm. Which for the Ivy League is absurd. Yeah, it's great for Ivy League. Okay. Otherwise, I think this should conclude this episode of the One and Done podcast. Um, John and I will try to speak to you guys early next week, um, maybe Tuesday. I don't know your schedule, John, in terms of class. John's a busy guy, obviously. He's a student at Charlotte right now, so it's tough for us to get our schedules together. But hopefully we could get something in the next few days out to you guys. We will be doing this, I know I keep talking about it, the who's coaching each team in the next three years of college basketball, the power conference teams. I'm working on that. It's definitely going to take me a while to you know, really do my due diligence on that. But yeah, um, you guys can follow me on Twitter at the underscore NBA goal. That's N-D-A-G-E-L-L. You follow John on Twitter at John Simpson 42. You could follow the one and done podcast at one underscore and underscore done pod. And yeah, follow us on Instagram, TikTok. I'm always posting clips of our interviews, of our conversations. And yeah, rate, review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And John and I will talk to you guys next episode. Thanks for listening. And Kyle Neptune, again, I sincerely apologize to you. Very big of you.